This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back, sci-fi fans, to another episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hello. And we've talked about it, and it's finally time. We're jumping back into what I think has been, I know it's been one of my favorite things we've done on this show, and I think everybody has enjoyed it, uh, with our Pillars series. And we're going to kick this year off with the Pillars of Adventure. I don't know about y'all, how did y'all feel about kind of doing your research and compiling your list for this? Was it harder than sci-fi and fantasy, or easier, or... What did y'all think about that? I feel like it's a little narrower. Like most, you know, especially fantasy, you know, you can pull in all kinds of weird or really old stuff, but adventure stories as such are, are a more uh, recent kind of phenomenon. Like like the, the lion's share of all the adventure stories were written in the 19th century. Right. Um. You know, all of the most influential influential adventure stories were written in the nineteenth century. So I think it uh it, it was kind of interesting from that perspective because you know it was trying to cr- leave some room for you know not to write basically the same book over and over again. Right, but, but I mean that's basically when if you think about it, that's really when your novels mm-hmm. became the primary source of consuming yeah. literature. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's there There were a lot of books before that, but that's when printing suddenly got easier and cheaper and became available to the masses. Mm-hmm. It was easier to distribute these stories and make money doing it. But, uh, David, what about you? I have mixed feelings uh, on whether this was like easier or harder. I, I'll tell you, I spent a little less time uh, compiling this list because I think I had a bit of a – I had less of a connection to all the entries. So when I was doing like a sci-fi or fantasy, there were a lot of times something would come up and I'd really have to debate with myself for a long time on which deserves to be on the list while – I haven't read most of the stuff that seems to be the most influential and the stuff that it belongs on the pillars. So I can kind of objectively look at things uh, a bit easier and say, well, according to my research, this is the one that should go here, here and here. So that was a bit easier. Um, but also it was a bit more difficult because I didn't know as much, you know, when you're doing something like sci-fi or fantasy, you get three or four books or movies or tv shows that like instantly come to mind while with adventure i had to do a lot more research and also trying to figure out what the general nerd audience would consider adventure uh, as part of the adventure genre Mm -hmm. as to decide what should go on the list i had a couple things on here that um i i debated for a long time if they would even qualify as adventure and to be put on on this list. Yeah, no, it was a very interesting thing. And, you know, I didn't really think about it, but when we did science fiction and fantasy, those there are so many types of stories that fall under those umbrellas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a really vast thing, but adventure is something very specific. And even though it can bleed into other into other genres, there's something very specific that makes it an adventure, you know, story. And um, it, there was something to me that was kind of harder about doing this. It was really easy to name off a bunch of really important adventure books, but at the same time, it was hard to go well. Which ones are the like? 
because with with sci-fi and fantasy, there's a really, really interesting, rich history to how those genres became mainstream. Mm -hmm. But adventure story is literally where storytelling started. With with telling stories of these adventures, whether they were reiterating stories of real adventures. Right. Or of fictional adventures. And... And and that that fish got b- bigger every time they told the story, right? You know, so <clears throat> there was something that was easier. To, it was easier to just put down a list, but it was a lot harder to figure out because with sci-fi and fantasy, I was able to go this one here, even though I, it's not even one of my favorites. In fact, I don't really even like it. It's really critical to how the genre developed. Mm-hmm. That was a lot harder with this category. Hmm. To figure out which ones actually meant something to the development of... Right. Because it turns out that what what adventure is changes over time. Yep, absolutely. That's all really interesting, but I, I just kind of want to jump right in and um, go on and, and do a list here. And So this is going to be the pillars of adventure in literature. So next week we will do... Do we do TV first or movies first? Which do we do? Uh, I think we did movies last. No, we did miscellaneous last. Okay, so, so, but we'll do okay. So this week is literature. Next week will be television. The week after that will be movies, and then we'll have a miscellaneous category. And if we're getting enough feedback from from you guys listening, then we will also do a listeners list to kind of pick up those things that. That we missed, or I mean, I honestly, I mean, anytime we do this, and we did it with sci-fi and fantasy, we tried to kind of look at literature from other cultures, but you know, it's where where we are really well versed is in Western literature, mm-hmm. and so I know there's things that we miss, mm-hmm. and uh, so if the, if there's somebody out there, if you're really well versed in in Eastern literature, let us know what we're missing that we need to know about. But um, as we get ready to kick off, David, if you've got something, if you've got a list, then let's just kick it off and see what you've got first. Uh, well, I'd like to start the list off then with uh, with the one book that I feel like I, I uh, actually know the most about that uh, we're going to be talking about here tonight. And that is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, kickstarted the Lord of the Rings series, which I think the Lord of the Rings series is actually what ended up on our fantasy uh, pillars. Yeah, I think we um, actually have the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings both as one uh, as one item on the fantasy list. Right. Well, when it came to this, and I thought about adventure, the Hobbit came to mind as a, a more pure adventure story mm-hmm. uh, than the Lord of the Rings. Uh, the yeah. Lord of the Rings is sort of an epic, uh, yep. while the Hobbit, the Hobbit being very epic, is 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 more of a fun i mean it's been said many times the hobbit was a children's book mm-hmm. right. it's, it's, it's very fun light-hearted straightforward adventure um to the mountain to to mm-hmm. take back the dwarves home um obviously it inspired pretty much every modern fantasy trope that we know probably most adventure tropes that we know um and archetypes that would be part of an adventuring party um, mm-hmm. The Hobbit is a is a beloved book uh, turned into three f- fine movies uh, later yeah. on. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I love The Hobbit. I love the characters in The Hobbit. I love the story of The Hobbit. I haven't read The Hobbit. I just listened to an audio book of The Hobbit, so I'm not like you know a super. I'm not like a super fan. Like I should be. I'm a little ashamed. Um, <laughs> Uh, although but I, I mean, they've know. got some great audiobook versions of the Hobbit. Which one did you listen to? Oh gosh, um, was it Andy Circus? Uh, Andy Circus did one recently, but there's an older one. I did not. It was not the Andy Circus one. Okay, it's probably the one that I listened to. Then. Um, yeah, I had to go pull it up uh, before it was. It was an older one, um, but it was a, it was a one to one reading of it. But anyway, yeah, uh, the Hobbit is my is my first contribution. To yeah. the list. That's a good place to start. Yeah, and that was a that, that's a great one, and it's one that I kind of was like, well, you know, we included on the other list, and 
and while I, I do think we're going to have some crossover by necessity here, I didn't want to do it unless it really, really deserved mm-hmm. to be on the list. And, but what I, and, and there, there was a lot of um, kind of debate on whether Tolkien stuff was adventure mm-hmm. or not. But what I finally landed on was that, yes, it absolutely is. And The Hobbit's on my list as well. Um, and I, I did want to mention, kind of as we start, um, there's a book called The Encyclopedia of Adventure Fiction by Don Diamasa. And he defined the genre as an adventure or adventure is an adventure is an event or series of events that happens outside the course of the protagonist's ordinary ordinary life, usually accompanied by danger, often by physical action. Adventure stories almost always move quickly, and the pace of the plot is at least as important as characterization, setting, and other elements of a creative work. And that That's describes the that describes true. the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. And I think most adventure stories were written in the 19th century for children, specifically for boys. You know, it was kind of this idea that, you know, you 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 had to sow your wild oats, have your adventures, you know, dream your big dreams, and then you know, before you kind of settle down. Right. Um. So yeah, I think, but like, you know, like. David said the the Hobbit is is definitely um, a children's book, and Iana was like, but they said adventure so many times, you know, in the you know like that's actually characters don't always have the self awareness to say we're going on an adventure, but uh, we definitely have that going on in the Hobbit. So yeah, I think that's a good selection. Mm-hmm. All right, Marisha, what do you have first on your list? Okay, so. Um, in typical me fashion, I'm going to start with the um, the earliest thing that I kind of thought really fit the uh, the genre as we know it now. You know, there's some other things earlier that um, I think Andrew will probably talk about in a minute that that apply. But the first thing that came to mind um, after Indiana Jones, when I was thinking about specifically about books, was the travels of Marco Polo. Um, and goodness, the Travels of Marco Polo were written in like 1300. So I don't even remember. I usually write down the dates. Uh, I don't remember what year. Let's see, 13th century? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 13th century. Um, so the 1200s then. Um, I think he got back to Venice in like 1290 or something like that. And so he's, you know, his this family of traders, and they they go to the, I mean, all, down the Silk Road all the way to the Mongolian Empire. They meet Kublai Khan. He actually s- serves Kublai Khan um, in some capacity or other for uh, a couple of decades before he he turns around and comes back home. And this book really captured the imaginations of Europeans. You know, it the world was a, a much bigger place then in a lot of ways than it is now. And you know, someone who had traveled to China, it was it was that was almost as novel as someone going to the moon now. And the actual the writing was actually done by um, someone who was in pr- Marco Polo and this this romance writer were in prison together, and so he sort of told his stories, and and he um, and his his cellmate kind of wrote, wrote them out for him. So there's been a lot of debate over the years over how accurate of a narrator Marco Polo actually was, but. Without a doubt, he was an adventurous person, and his wanderlust really inspired a lot of adventurers that that came later. Um, like not even just like real life adventures, the real life adventures, you know, people like um, Christopher Columbus, um, who you know, people who were looking to go to do completely different. Things a lot of them were inspired by the writings of Marco Polo because he had gone and he had done things that 
you know, no one, no one they knew had ever done these things. So that's my contribution. I probably got a little long winded on it. You might have to edit some of that out. No, it was fun, but yeah, that's a good one. That's one I had kind of toyed with putting on mine, but I didn't know just a ton about the travels of Marco Polo. And I, I didn't, um, and I knew you had it on your list. The, um, now, Gulliver's Travels is kind of a weird take on this, right? Yeah, so basically Gulliver's Travels is a satire. Because, of course, I mean, the late 18th century is like the height of satire. Right. It's a satire of travel stories, of which Marco Polo is one of the earliest examples. Marco Polo was really the beginning of the kind of travel story as a genre. Um, and then, yeah, Gulliver's Travels is a, you know... Just a, a parody of that. Um, and Gulliver's Travels is also on my list, but we'll get okay. to that later. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one here. Or David, did you have any thoughts on uh, Marco Polo? Uh, it's, it's a great game to play in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is indeed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. So so the first one I'm gonna pull out. I'm just gonna pull out the the oldest one here. It's it's one that I think fits everything about the definition of what an adventure, what it, what it, the adventure genre is. And it's going to be probably the oldest one on our list is the Odyssey. It was on my list as well. It's an 8th century, or from the 8th century BC. Uh, it's a poem, which, you know, we kind of had a little trouble fleshing that, initi- that out initially, but we did decide... This was initially, when we did science fiction, this was, we called this the novels category. I think we sort of changed that to lit- to encompass literature as a whole. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, a, a great story of, of adventure, and it includes one of the, at least in, in most adventure, one of the recurring themes is this, journey to return home and that i mean that's that's what the odyssey is is this journey to get back home and it is one that has been borrowed from and mimicked and duplicated over and over and over again even even a modern movie the uh oh the movie oh brother where art thou is sort of a loose modern retelling of Hmm. the odyssey Really, I never made that connection. If you go watch that movie with that in mind, you'll start to see all the pieces, like the, the like all the characters are there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Your your Cyclops and your <laughs> right, yeah. John Goodman is the Cyclops in that, so that's that's mm-hmm. always great. But um, yeah, I mean, we've talked at length about the Odyssey. I, I'm pretty sure it's on the fantasy list. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it, it's it's one of those that it just embodies adventure and is so old it has really been one of the things it, it's it is the old one of the oldest pieces of literature in the world that is still read by modern audiences mm-hmm. and I think it's it's kind of all of the things. When we did science fiction, when we did fantasy, it was always trying to find those things that were critical, the critical building blocks. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that was as possible with adventure. But in the case of the Odyssey, Mm -hmm. this is the building block of adventure storytelling. Like, this is the foundation. So that's my first choice. Now, we have, Daniel did send his list over. But I think that pretty much everything on his list, with one exception, is on at least my list and I think Andrew's list, too. Well, let's see if they all make it on, and if not, we'll pick some of them up. Okay. Good deal. All right, David, what have you got next? All right. Uh, I've just, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, This is one of the last two uh, on my list of, like, 10 from research that I actually really know something about um, that I could talk about a little bit. And so that's why I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, Moby Dick Mm -hmm. is a 
classic adventure story, and it's one of those adventure stories that is really interesting in that kind of the moral of the story, at least the way that I interpret it, is the adventure should have ended a long time ago mm-hmm. if he would have just let it go. Right. You know? um, I think that's really interesting about it, and it's, it's, it's one of those adventure stories that really has a deep moral behind the whole point of the story. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's the whole story is a lesson that it's trying to tell you, which I think is something that a lot of adventure novels uh, really try to do mm-hmm. now. And Moby Dick's the king of that. It's, um, uh, it's a classic story that everybody knows. Um, it's, it's referenced in everything. It is constantly uh, adapted the different things uh, you can look at so many different movies and so many different books and TV shows and and see a character who is chasing a mo- is chasing a Moby Dick who who's chasing the whale yeah um and and that's like and and people in the story will will, will acknowledge it they'll be like oh you and your Moby Dick like like it's yeah. just so um, ingrained in pop culture in that way. And has so much meaning to a lot of people uh, because of that. So Moby Dick. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, Yeah, it was. It's on my kind of working list. It wasn't one of my top four that I I pulled, but it is definitely a a worthy entry. And and um, yeah, it's a great one. It's one that's it's it's still referenced Mm -hmm. all the time. And when people say yeah. that, like uh, even inspired. if you haven't read the book, like you know what somebody means when they talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the white yeah, whale. Uh, you know. Plenty of great uh, sea shanties that I sing in my current D and D pirate game. Uh, Perfect. So I appreciate <laughs> it for that. Yeah. All right, Marisha, what is your second one? All right, so my second Soon one. Soon may the Walla man come to. Br- okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Sea shanty t- TikTok. It was a rough year, but at least we got that. To right? bring us sugar and sea and rum. <laughs> yeah, t- uh, check back later, down, ladies down, and I gentlemen, for the uh, the science fictionary sea shanty sing-along. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if we play our cards right, that might show up on the D&D game, uh, actually. Oh, so yeah. That- it could happen. Yeah. Um, okay, so my second selection is um, Robin Hood. Now, I kind of, you know, there are so many different iterations of the Robin Hood story. The earliest, interestingly enough, the earliest written references to Robin Hood are basically um, like proverbs. Like, you know, you, you you can call yourself Robin Hood, but you can't shoot his bow kind of thing. Um and, you know, references to, to the story, to this widely told story. But really, the version that we know today, the version that's really an adventure story, um, kind of came to life in the 19th century. The most famous probably is Howard Pyle's rendition, which is Robin Hood and His Merry Men. And that's the version that basically the Errol Flynn movie is pulled straight from um robin hood men in tights like all the kind of um you know kind of robin hood tropes that they take are pulled from that version of the story of course you know subverted and done weirdly but still um you know of course it's one of those stories people like oh we have a new cutting edge great different version of robin hood and i'm never a fan of those but um but like i said rob Howard Pyle's Robin Hood and His Merry Men was a very, very popular um, story. And and um, Alexander Dumas wrote a version of it. Several really famous 19th century writers tackled uh, the Robin Hood legends. So that's that's my second selection is um, Robin Hood, Robin Hood legends. And if we're going specifically, we want a specific version. I'm going to go with uh, Howard Pyle's. Robin Hood and His Merry Men. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I, I had thought about Robin Hood, but honestly, I wasn't really sure that that's a good way to handle it. Is you know a lot of the earliest Robin Hood stuff comes from ballads, right? 
Um, yeah. So in my head, I was going to, you know, Robin Hood, I would have probably ended up in the miscellaneous category. Mm-hmm. But this, that's, this still works. I mean, that's a, a very well-known mm-hmm. novel uh, or, you know, version of the story. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's one that's, it's a, you know, another one of those big characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most, you know, in much the same way that Captain Ahab and the White Whale are just sort of iconic. They're embedded in the, as part of the cultural lexicon. And they have yeah. been, you know, like Robin Hood has been part of the cultural lex. Like I said, the earliest references to Robin Hood are cultural lexicon references, you know, in the 1300s. Um, so it's a, it's an old kind of, <laughs> so fun story. Did you see on Twitter, the, the Robin Hood account, like Robin Hood, uh, society, international Robin Hood society based in, in Nottingham had got like this huge, um, boost of, uh, subscribers after the, the debacle with the stock market last week. That's funny. <laughs> That's yeah. really funny. Yeah, it's pretty great. All right. Well, my next one is going to be another one that introduces us to some of those things that are staples of storytelling. It is, you know, I tried to kind of pull different kinds when I was looking. I looked at things that were more like journals, like The Travels of Marco Polo. I looked at things that did the whole second world thing, like The Hobbit. One of the things, one of the big continuing tropes of adventure, of the adventure genre, is the quest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the 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 whole idea of the quest, it, it kind of forms its own, like this whole, its own subgenre in the adventure category. Mm-hmm. And this one gives us one of those things that, again, is just part of the lexicon and, and has been for a very long time. This is from the 12th century. This is Percival, the story of the Grail by Cretion. And this is the first story that describes, it, it's, a, it's a poem, but it's, this first, um, the first story of, of someone seeking this grail. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole idea of the Holy Grail and adding the religious overtones to it and all that, that came later. Mm-hmm. But this is the origin of that search for the grail story. Mm-hmm. Wow. In the 1100s. Yeah. That's an old story. Um, it was written by Cretion. Um, he didn't finish it completely. He wrote about 9,000 lines of, of verse. Mm-hmm. And other authors later added like another 50-something thousand lines. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that was continued. Nobody really knows why he stopped. He died at some point, but um, he was uh, very close to Philip I, uh, the Count of Flanders who died on the Crusades huh. while he was writing. And and he was kind of writing this for Philip. And so nobody knows, right, did he stop his writing this when his patron died? Mm-hmm. Or did he stop because his death was not too long after that? So, but as far as what it is, it's it's this, this quest story about Percival, um, who, you know, this boy who was raised away from civilization out in the woods of Wales by his mother, no, with no father. And one day he runs across these knights in the woods and decides, you know, these knights from Arthur's court and decides that he's going to be one of these knights. And so he goes to the court. Everybody kind of laughs at him. There's someone there that, that proclaims that he's going to be one of the greatest of the knights and, People laugh, and but he ends up going on this, you know, big quest to prove himself as a knight. And Percival is a name that that comes down as one of the greatest knights of Arthur's court. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the, you know, where where so many of those tropes come from. And it, it's 
I think it's a, a pretty important one. It it um uh, it, it had a lot of impact on the story of Gawain that came later. Mm-hmm. So that's my my second choice is uh, Percival, the story of the Grail. All right, and is David next? Yep, that brings us back around yeah. to David. So, like I said last time, the knowledge is running low. I promise. I will have so much more to talk about in TV and movies. My <laughs> list for those were made before this one, even though I knew we were doing literature <laughs> first, because I just have more of connection to that. I need to read more. I'm so sorry. I, I like I've said, I read I read a lot, but it's all stuff that just doesn't belong on this list. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, the literature category is one of those that's important to developing the list and the background. Mm-hmm. But we're all going to have a lot more to say about TV and movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the next one I, I do want to contribute and, and throw one out there that hasn't been mentioned yet. And I think this is interesting because I believe this is the first science fiction uh, one that is being brought up. But what's interesting about adventure is that it can cross between fantasy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this this book is Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure it was on y'all's list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, a classic science fiction novel, uh, Jules Verne. Um, such a weird book it's so weird and inspired so many things that were to come after it mm-hmm. um, uh, I think there's some other stuff that we're going to talk about later in the list probably that were directly inspired by Journey to the Center of the Earth mm-hmm. I mean it's in the it's in the name Journey uh, isn't it in a series that's called like the strange adventures or something like that? Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the quintessential, um, it's a quintessential adventure and it's really interesting. Cause, cause like I said, it's, it's, I think it's the first sci-fi one we're talking about mm-hmm. here. Um, it's science fiction based. It's, yeah. it's on earth, which we've talked about a lot about earth. We've done a lot of history stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this delves into, uh, a lot of adventure stuff like that—that's kind of fantasy based. Will be like on like Middle Earth or whatever, or if it's science fiction, it might be out in space. But this is on Earth, mm-hmm. um, and just like it explores the possibilities of what might be like under, right under our feet, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. And and that's what I think is so cool about this adventure is that theoretically all of us could go on it. We could all go to the volcano and descend down if we just buy the right gear to do it. Um, we could all go exploring. We could mm-hmm. go in our backyard and walk the ditch and see where it takes us. That's what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably, sh- my parents probably shouldn't have let me do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, you made that's it. what I think is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here now. And, and so that's what I think is really interesting about this book. Not everybody can, can travel to China, but everybody can get out and search for something. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the interesting things about Jules Verne is several of his books, in spite of the fact that uh, they were very innovative as science fiction books, they were also very typical adventure stories um, around the world in 80 days or, um, oh, goodness, there's another one that I was just thinking about, another Jules Verne book. And it's gone. Um, but you, you get the idea. You know, very, they, they're very American books. You know, uh, the adventure genre was particularly popular um, in the United States, you know, so that, that kind of like we've got to go and, and see the next thing. Um, uh, was it 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Oh, look. Yeah, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I am altogether wrong. Jules Verne was French. Yeah, Jules Verne was French. He couldn't read English. Huh. At all. That's crazy. So, wait a minute. All these books that I've read are translations? Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. Huh. Well, who knew? Yes, uh, that was the one I was thinking. That was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, which is on our fantasy list. Mm -hmm. It could could be on this one. It could have been on the sci-fi list, too. Um, So, Jules Verne is a a really remarkable writer in that his, his writings really could fit comfortably in several several of our categories here. Uh, Vern was a a different kind of writer altogether in that he was very much a visionary. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, and we've talked about 
I'm relatively certain that we've talked about Jules Verne. I don't think he's on all three lists, but we have talked about mm -hmm. him in the process of creating all three of these lists. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, if we ever do a Mount Rushmore, yeah, uh, he's up for consideration. Absolutely, yeah, of writers or sci-fi right. well, sci I mean, considered the the. He's considered the mo the father of modern science fiction. Mm -hmm. Ooh, we should do that. We should do a, a Mount Rushmore of sci-fi and fantasy writers. That would be really interesting. Yeah, we'll put it on the list. <laughs> so, did you have anything else to say about Journey, Journey to the Center of the, the Earth? Earth? It's it's a weird book, but uh, it's it's worth reading. That's pretty much it. All right. Uh, well, Marisha, that brings us back to you. That brings us back to me. All right. So for my next one, it was kind of a toss-up between Gulliver's Travels and Robinson Crusoe. I really did not enjoy Robinson Crusoe when I tried to read it. Like, I never did even meet Good Man Friday because I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever read. And I read a lot, y'all. Like, I read a whole bunch of really boring stuff when I was a teenager. Um, so that being said, I'm going to go Gulliver's Travels instead because I actually read Gulliver's Travels. Okay. Um, and we, we, talk, we touched on it briefly. Gulliver's Travels was written in the late 18th century. The world was a strange place. Um, it was kind of the... Uh, in England, Commonwealth had been abolished. And so, you know, big and ostentatious was in... And this was right before the French Revolution at kind of the height of the decadence in France. So Europe was a very decadent place. And satire was just what rich people did for entertainment. You know, sat caricatures and satires of everything. And um, one of the most famous pieces of literature to come out of that was Gulliver's Travels. And that is Jonathan Swift basically wrote a, um, a a history of his travels and all the places he had gone and all the things he had done. He, you know, um, comes across the Lilliputians who were tiny and then, you know, he, he goes to the land of a giants and all these different like weird outlandish places and just tells his stories very tongue-in-cheek tongue and straightforward um, as if he wants everyone to take him absolutely seriously. And it's... The story's been, I mean, has, again, managed to maintain its place as a cultural touchstone. Um, even people who have never read the book, they, you know, Lilliputians is, is, is you know, you, you know, you're talking little bitty people, you know, everybody's seen an image somewhere of um, Gulliver and, you know, dragging in the fleet of tiny ships into the harbor um so that's my uh jonathan swift's gulliver's travels that's my next entry into the into the uh into the list yes and who can forget him peeing on the burning building and getting thrown out of the city <laughs> right. and you know the the odd thing about gulliver's travels is it's one of those that David, did you ever have to read that in school, or is that no longer on school reading lists? Uh, no, I never had to read it, but my English teacher did make us watch the Jack Black movie. <laughs> so, that's all I need to know. Yes, um, definitely. I, I'm kidding. I did have to watch the movie, but I'm, I'm aware that it's <laughs> not the peak. Yeah, well, the odd thing about it is that how much it has been read. It's been read for years and years and years in schools as required reading. And I know it was one that I read as required reading, but so few people talk about They treat it like an adventure story and not the satire that it is. And it is mm -hmm. an adventure. Right. And that's certainly a part of it, but it's also a critique of European government and petty squabbles between different mm -hmm. denominations of Christians. and That's what satire is for. <laughs> right. And, and But it's like... You know, this it's it's one of the greatest satires ever written. Mm -hmm. But people don't talk about it in that in that fashion. And it's actually one, I don't know if y'all recall, I pitched this one for one of the final entries on the fantasy, fantasy list. Fantasy, yeah. And we supplanted it with something else. Mm -hmm. But 
I think that it does fit really, really well here. And anyway, uh, my next one is going to be another one of those that has shaped the future of every book, movie, TV show in this specific category, and that is Treasure Island. I love Treasure Island. Treasure Island is a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. It shaped the entire modern view of pirates. Absolutely. Like... Everything arg, you yep. <laughs> Do you know why Arg is associated with pirates? Is it because of Treasure Because the the actor from the original adaption for Treasure Island just thought that that was a good sound for Long John Sliver to make. So now that's what pirates say. Arg. <laughs> oh. That's I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. yeah, next I mean, time I'm playing a Sorry. No, go ahead. Next time I'm playing as my my captain, who happens to be named John Luke, um, but he's a pirate. So you, you get it, right? Get it? I get it. He's I a get pirate it. captain named John. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll remember that. Yes. Now this is one that was actually originally released. Some things we're going to talk about when we get to the miscellaneous list is just like there were with sci-fi and fantasy, there were these magazines that published serialized versions of these stories that were later compiled into novels. That's what Treasure Island is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a serial uh, that ran from 1981 to 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the, the most dramatized novels ever written. And like I said, you know, it, it tells this great story of adventure and shaped everything that the, the everything that culturally we think about when we think about pirates. Yeah. You know, the the really funny thing about Treasure Island, it was actually written because he asked his stepson, he's like, hey, oh, you know, if I'm going to write an adventure story, what should it be about? And he said, pirates. He said, well, what should they do? He said, they should find treasure on an island called Treasure Island. And, you know, like, so the kid, like, actually pitched the the basic premise for Treasure Island. That's funny, because one that I'm going to bring up here in a minute, it was actually written, and I saw it, it's on Daniel's list as well. The one that I'm going to bring up as my next book is one that was written because someone challenged someone else to write a book better than Treasure Island. Wow. (laughs) Yep. But um, Such a good book, though, man. Honestly, of... I've read, I've read pretty much everything here. I've not read all of the travels of Marco Polo. Other than The Hobbit, it's probably my favorite book that's that's ended up on this list. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Treasure Island when I was about ten, twelve, somewhere before my Robin Hood obsession and after my Star Wars, my my <laughs> Phantom Menace obsession. That, that's how I like my, my teenage years, just a series of whatever obsessions for whatever I was into at that point. Yeah. yeah. All right, David, what have you, do you have another one? Uh, yeah, so I have uh, one more, and this is kind of a weird one. Okay. And I will not at all be offended if you, if you don't agree, if you shut it down, if you, if you, don't think it fits, but I have a. I think I have a pretty good argument for it, and I've been saving it for the end here. And this is one I know actually about. Like I've actually read this before, and it's different. It's not a novel. It is literature. I am proposing that um, there should be room on the pillars for Shonen Jump magazine, hmm. which is a Japanese magazine uh, that weekly that publishes manga. Hmm. It has been. It is by far the most popular uh, way to consume manga uh, in the world and in Japan. And of course, in America, obviously, anime and manga is very, very popular. But in Japan, it is like the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Um, well, I know one person is going to be really excited if that's your entry. Yeah. Uh, that that is uh, my my entry. Okay. I. I uh, I, that I propose, and like I said, uh, if, if y'all don't think it quite fits, but but my argument for it basically is every, almost every single adventure 
manga that is that is huge and most of them are a lot of shonens are basically based around young teenage boys going on these big adventures they've all been punishing published in shonen jump magazine dragon ball z naruto uh and the big one the one that has been like the best selling uh manga um weekly for like 20 plus years one called one piece and it is also one of the most popular animes of all time They've all been in Shonen Jump, and there are some stories that we may not feel the impact of them, but the entire world does. Hmm. Uh, there's this one called Demon Slayer, which is huge, huge around the world. Last year, when the Demon Slayer movie came out, it was the number one movie in the world. Not number one animated movie, number one movie in the world for a fair amount of time. And its books this past year sold uh, over 50 million copies uh, mm-hmm. of its of its volumes. Because yeah, Shonen Jump magazine publishes them, but then they get published into volumes. But mm-hmm. it all starts with Shonen Jump. Um, if you if if you're a, a Japanese writer and you have a, an adventure story uh, and, and a manga, uh, Shonen Jump is, is the top tier of where that where that goes. Awesome. So yeah. Shonen Jump magazine. Okay. Hey. Now, I don't know if you remember, but that is on our Pillars of Fantasy list. I know Dragon Ball Z is. I'm pretty we sure that, Jump? Well, I put Dragon Ball Z on the list, but Nick, when we did our listeners list. Oh, yeah. Shonen Jump. That's that's right. I forgot about that. You see, I recently got into anime and manga, uh, so whenever he talked about that, I was like, oh, "Shonen it was, Jump." Well, yeah, you didn't know what he was talking about, but now that you've no. gotten all into that stuff, you know what it is. Now I know exactly what it is, and I know that he's one hundred percent thousand correct, one thousand percent correct. Uh, yeah, definitely. And like I said, where we're at right now, and we talked about this at the beginning of the show about how what we mainly read is is Western. Um, literature. Mm-hmm. So where we're at now, it might we might not feel the impact of, of this, but around the world, this thing is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, all the B- Dragon Ball Z, Naruto. I mean, you guys don't watch it. You you know what Dragon Ball Z is. You know what Naruto is. Mm-hmm. Right. Just those two alone. Yeah. And and they are great adventure stories. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's. All right, got that one down. Marisha, what do you have next? So, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit torn by the the book that the internet says is really important for the genre and the one that I like so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm going to pitch um, King Solomon's Minds by H. Ryden Haggard. And this is the one that... She took my next one. Oh, well, good. Then uh, never mind. I'm going to go with the one that I actually like because I haven't read this one. <laughs> All right. So I am going to pitch uh, The Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> no. Let's the try Scarlet that again. Who? <laughs> let's, let's try that again. The Scarlet Pimpernel by the... Okay, now I can never figure decide how to say this woman's name. The Baroness O-R-C-Z-Y. How do you say that? Anybody got, got a pitch for how to say that? Orgsy. Orgsy? Okay. Orgsy. Orgsy. So the Scarlet Pimpernel is this, well, okay, again, spoiler alert for a book that's been out for uh, 200 years. Not really 200 years, but a very long time. Um, He is a British nobleman who hops across the channel and whisks away aristocrats and various other people who are... um, in danger from the revolutionary French government, right? Of course, this is during the Reign of Terror, the French Revolution. They're just lopping people's heads off wholesale. So the Scarlet Pimpernel hops across the channel, and he leaves his little um, calling card, I guess, is a a little card with a scarlet, a, a little red flower on it, and he's the Scarlet Pimpernel. And, this, you know, the Scarlet Pimpernel is such a fun... Uh, 
such fun story. Like the original one, you don't actually find, you don't actually know who, who the Scarlet Pimpernel is. You for the fir whole first book yeah. is just, you know, the, you spend the whole story trying to figure out who the character actually is. And um, there are, it's a whole series. There are several of yeah. them. Well, yeah. that one's an interesting one that it, it was a stage play first. Was it really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know that. But, yeah. So and she published it as a stage play in a book the same year. Okay. All right. So, 1905, uh, The Scarlet Pimpernel. That's, that's my... And if you have never seen the adaption, uh, the, the BBC did an adaption of it with, oh, the guy that everybody wanted to play Thrawn. The British guy. Oh, no, not... Um, he was in The Last Jedi. He was the, the, the new character, Richard E. Grant. That's mm. who it is. Richard E. Grant was the Scarlet Pimpernel, and he was phenomenal. So Yeah, I, honestly, because of that, I'm honestly surprised, because I know how much you like that show. I'm really surprised you didn't hold on to this one for for the TV category. That's true. I guess I could do that. But it's more influential, I think, as a, as a book. It's been a movie, too. It was made a movie with uh, Ian McKellen and Jane Seymour. All right. David, do you have anything to say about the Scarlet Pimpernel? I, I've never heard of it until right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one I'm going to pull is, um, actually, before I start, do you have Daniel's list? Mm-hmm. Let's see it for a minute. Uh, the next one I'm going to pull is King Solomon's Mines. This is one, the one I was talking about that was <laughs> written as a challenge to write a book better than Treasure Island. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and it is things like Indiana Jones mm -hmm. owe a tremendous amount to this book. Yeah. This is this, this adventure into the unknowns of Africa and the search for King Solomon's mines. And it is, it reads like a, I mean, it's, it's so much like that Indiana Jones kind of adventure story. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it fits all of the, you know, there's, there's danger and there's, there's challenges, there's exotic enemies and animals and, and all these things that they have to deal with as they, they go through all these unknowns looking for this, these lost gold mines. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that story itself has been duplicated a number of times. But um, this one I, I'm putting on my list because of the effect that it has had on that very serial adventure type story mm -hmm. that eventually evolved into something like Indiana Jones. David, is that you're in, you're done, huh? Yeah, I've entered my my four. Okay, let me see how many we we should have twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about a couple of Daniels, and then if we've got anything else we really feel like needs to be on the list, we can come back to it. Um, now, one of them we'll let Daniel talk about at some point if he wants to put it on. I don't even, I, I, I don't know, I don't have a clue. I'm I'm going to, we'll let him put that in. If he wants that one in, it can make it into the miscellaneous. Which one is list. that, Doc Savage? Doc Savage, unless you know something about Doc Savage. No, I have no idea. I have no idea what that is. Um, but I can talk about the other things that he, the other two that haven't been named, so we're going to go with those. Um, all right, so Daniel set in his list since he wasn't able to join us tonight, but he had done a little research and, and wanted to go ahead and contribute. Um, we've pulled several of his, but he's got two others here that I think they were on my long list. They were on my they were on my long list as well. Um, the first one is Huck Finn. Mm -hmm. My long list as well. Um, it's one of those that you know. While you know, I think we'll all acknowledge that by our modern sensibilities. <laughs> Has some problems, <laughs> but we don't. Yeah. We're not judging these things, right? On our modern sensibilities, we're judging these things on the effect they had 
on the literary world. And The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn doesn't get much more influential than that. No. It doesn't. It's one of it's one of the best pieces written by Mark Twain. Yeah. Um, now I have actually read this one and it is a it is a great book. It's 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 a great read. You're right. Our modern sensibilities make it a little awkward to read sometimes, but I think it's important also to to acknowledge that like whenever people would say the things and do the things that are obviously very very wrong and racist they were never seen as a good thing right. that it was happening that is right and I, and i'm sure i mean like i wasn't alive at the time obviously like i said you know if somebody wrote that today we'd be like what the heck man <laughs> yeah like that person would be in some serious trouble but again like and we haven't done that with any of these because yeah i, th- I think king solomon the Search for King Solomon's Minds got a little problematic in some places too. Right. Yeah. So I, I know that, and, and, I, and I mentioned this with Huck Finn, most people aren't familiar with King Solomon's Minds, though they should be. Huck Finn is one of those that everybody knows of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of its biggest critics have never read it because it hasn't been required reading in school for, a, you know, in most schools for a very long time. Yeah. But it is a quintessential piece of American literature. Mm-hmm. And and Mark Twain in, in a you know American literature largely gets a bad rap for being very dry <laughs> and boring, but not Mark Twain. No, and, and a lot of that reputation that American literature has because the heyday of American literature occurred during the Depression. Oh, steam back. <laughs> Marisha has opinions. <laughs> um, and I and American history is still relatively short, and I, I have always contended that the greatest American writers have written for the silver screen, not books. But Huck Finn is a is an adventure film. I mean, it, Huck Finn is an adventure story that that fits all of the criteria of that, uh, you know, of what defines adventure. And def- despite the fact that some would consider it, you know, that the, there's been calls to, to ban the book. I think yeah. I, I, I'm still of the pen, opinion that banning books is every bit as dangerous as burning books, that erasing history in that way is unproductive. Well, that it shows a benchmark of American life yeah. at this period of time. And some things you don't need to read to your five-year-old or your you know some things and that and that's the thing i wouldn't hand this to my 11 year old and not explain these things right yeah it's a it's a book that raises a lot of questions and and really makes you stop and think about what you're reading a lot mm-hmm. and, and all the interesting perspectives and the questions that it raises and i think it's important for the way it does that you know so that's kind of cool about it is that uh obviously uh us three have a bit of a special connection to this one because uh, it's, it's, it's about the, the the adventure takes place on the Mississippi River. Right. Yep. We all grew up, you know, right next to you, it. We all three grew up in different cities right here, on, but all right next to the river. Yep. Yeah, all right there. And, um, and it, it shapes living next to the river. It shapes everything about life in your community. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and did not wasn't the movie adaptation filmed in Natchez? It was. Yeah, the Elijah Woods version. Yeah, was filmed here in Natchez. Didn't you hang out with Elijah Wood? No, my dad did. Oh, your dad, right? Okay. I was somewhere else. I don't even know where I was, but uh, they they took uh, they took him fishing. Right, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, but I think that that's one that that absolutely belongs on the list. And had Daniel not put it on, I would have put it on here as we wrap up. Yeah. Um, the other one that Daniel has here, and I'm going to confess, I've never read the original novel. It's one of the few here that I'm kind of in that boat is uh, Tarzan, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, man, it's one of those quintessential pieces. I mean, the, the Tarzan kind of story that raised in the wild by animals story just gets told mm-hmm. over and over and over again. It's because of Tarzan. Yeah. Uh, and of course it was written by Edgar Rice Burroughs, one of the, you know, one of the all time greats. Mm-hmm. 
um, an, another author that we have brought up in our other lists. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Tarzan definitely belongs on the list. And, and again, does what I was trying to do with the ones on my list, was find the ones that kind of were the origin of these these mm-hmm. tropes. Now, this one's kind of the modern origin of the, the raised in the wild yeah. trope. That story goes back to Greek myth and right, right. Norse myths and and a whole bunch of other old, old, especially Germanic European stories. Yeah. But this is kind of the modern introduction of the trope. Anybody have any thoughts on Tarzan? My first thought was, oh yeah, that um that Brendan Fraser movie. Right. Oh wait. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wait. Exactly. George of the that was George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle is so fun. I like George of the Jungle. That's all my comments on that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that brings us to fourteen. Does anybody have anything else that they really feel need to? Because I've got a problem here, and that I've still got. Mm-hmm. I've still got two that I'm having a real hard time. Well, what what have you what have you got still on your list? So I've got the Three Musketeers. See, that's that's the one that I was like, man, I really feel like this needs to go on there. And I've got the Mask of Zorro. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about Zorro. Yeah, the the kind of the last two, and I think Marisha agreed on one of these. I'll, I'll have to see what you think on them, David. But um, the Three Musketeers. I, I mean, that's of course you know one leaving Alexander Dumas off this list would kind of be tragic in itself, but. The Three Musketeers is one of those that's it's it's an adventure story. It tells that story of of camaraderie and uniting against uh, an enemy, a common enemy, and uh, really is kind of the story of you know this young guy that's along for the the adventure that wants to be like his heroes here and. I think that the Three Musketeers absolutely has to be on this list. Sure, I'm all for that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to include here as we wrap up is is Zorro. This kind of prototypical adventure character. I mean, we're talking all the way back to 1919. I mean, in some ways, I mean, you're talking about this, you know, kind of wealthy nobleman who puts on the mask to fight against against tyranny and mm-hmm. you know in, in some ways he's even kind of a superhero prototype oh yeah for sure i've always seen seen zoro as as a as a superhero archetype i mean obviously um now now when when did the novel come out 1919 19, yeah so obviously batman is heavily inspired by zoro i think um the the film uh, they're going to see when his parents are shot is the mask of Zorro. Is it really? Uh, yeah. in certain versions, okay. I'm not sure when that movie came out, but whichever movie came out after that, it might've been, you know what? It might've literally been Joker that had that, or it might've been Batman begins, or it might've been a, there's been, we've seen that freaking scene so many times that I don't even remember, but I know that it has happened. Yeah. But, I mean, Zorro is one of those that, I mean, countless books, comics, radio dramatizations, TV shows, movies, toys, video games, uh, even stage productions. There's just so much that has been continued on that character. And like I said, you know, in a lot of ways, he's... He's one of those prototypes for a lot of our characters like like Batman. So I, I think unless anybody else, unless anybody has a problem with either of those two or if anybody had anything else that they might like instead, I, I would say that uh, the Three Musketeers and the Mask of Zorro or, or Zorro would round out our our list at 16. I'm, I'm cool with that for sure. Yeah, sounds good to me. Awesome. Well, that's our first entry into the Pillars of Adventure. 
And I think this was the hard one. I think I think that TV and movies are going to be a ton of fun with this one. Yeah. And 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 the miscellaneous category as well because then we can get into games. Yeah. So Oh yeah. Once we can the, the doors are going to open up a little next week. So it, it's going to be this one's this category is going to get more and more fun as we go. All right. Well, did anybody have anything else they wanted to add before we wrap up for the night? All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. Be sure to check back with us every Tuesday and Thursday for our main episodes. And uh, every Thursday for the next few weeks will be the Pillars of Adventure. Uh, Tuesdays will continue to be our kind of news-centric show. And don't forget to check out our newest show on Mondays where we're covering currently WandaVision. It will be our Disney Plus TV show. Well, right. But it's, um, I I do believe if everybody's ready, David, we're going to video on that this week, right? Uh, I'm all, I'm all for that. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so definitely, uh, you're going to have to go, we'll still put up an audio version of it, but that one is going to primarily be on YouTube. And so until next time, uh, Marisha, where can people find you? You can find me on my website, princessesandpadawans.com. You can find me on Instagram at ppadawans and on Twitter. Nope. On Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans and on Twitter at ppadawans. That's a lot of alliteration if anyone's keeping track. (laughs) Peace. All right. How about you, David? Where can we find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at David underscore JG Peoples. All right. And you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com and you can find us at thesciencefictionary.com. Also, be sure to check out red5network.com and, Red5, and at red5network on Twitter for everything from us as well as the rest of the Red 5 podcast family. And until next time...